everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 143. We discuss five ways to improve your SEO using HubSpot. You're listening to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, new features, and strategies for growing your marketing and sales results. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as HubSpot CEO Brian Halligan does. Thanks for creating this podcast. It's awesome. I listen to it on the weekends and I really enjoy it. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well, Ian. And um, gee, we should give a shout out to our sponsors for the show, Hokkaido Cheese Tarts. Oh, I know. They're gold, are they? <laughs> wow. Sugared up. Mate, I'm also drugged up, I've got to tell you. I know. You had your tooth out. I had a wisdom, wisdom tooth pulled out, so I'm on the, uh, it's starting to hurt now. <laughs> Recording this on a Wednesday night, had it pulled out on Monday. Thought I was great on Monday, Tuesday, no worries. <laughs> What's this thing people complain about? Gee, Wednesday afternoon, wow, starting to hurt on the drugs now. That's right. So now, Craig, we're going to talk about, let's start with our inbound thought of the week, and we're going to talk about SEO as our focus for this week. And we're going to highlight five key ways you can use HubSpot to improve your website rankings. Yeah, you know, before we get into that, it's interesting that whole SEO topic, because mm-hmm. I feel it's been coming back, I'm, I'm getting more and more clients talking about, oh, we want to improve our SEO. I'm like, oh, why did that change? You know, why is that something new? So I don't know if it's in more people's awareness now or it's come back, you know, things come in and out of vogue or maybe, I don't know, maybe HubSpot's pushing it more so it's in more people's awareness. But have you felt that, that I people have. are asking for it more? Yes. Yeah. And maybe there's a bit of a pushback from Facebook and AdWords as well. Yeah, quite possibly. If you look at a large amount of change that's happened on those advertising platforms with AI, machine learning, it's really interesting to see what's happening in our space. So to start it off, Craig, what is the first thing we want to talk about? Look, the first thing we want to talk about is a shout out to two of our favourite little listeners. That's right. They're probably our youngest listeners on the show. Our youngest listeners. This is a shout out to Eli and Max. Thanks for listening. Love having your support, guys. And it was uh, Eli's idea that this segment or this shot should be called the most important business item of the week. Of course it was. And he and thought shout-outs was. <laughs> and aptly, aptly so. But, yeah, getting on to the SEO now. That's right. So, okay, let's talk about the HubSpot SEO marketing feature of the week, Craig. All right, so here's the first one in our five SEO items in HubSpot. So, really, this is about the uh, SEO optimization tool, I guess you call it, or module in blogs and landing pages and web pages. Correct. So I've got a screenshot here. Some people might not even be aware of this, but when you're editing a page, say you're doing a blog post, you're writing your content, over on the left-hand side, uh, you can preview it, but uh, the second little module there is optimization. Now you click that and it pops out a little panel and it gives you a whole bunch of tips and suggestions related to improving the optimization of your page. So make sure you're using that. Uh, It's great because it just guides you through. And uh, it also references the content strategy tool, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. So, yeah, I guess one thing, if people haven't used it for a while, they would have been used to actually attaching a keyword or a key phrase. And now that's actually become a topic. Content topic, that's right. (laughs) Content topic, which really, if you're doing this process, you should actually look at your content strategy which will help you actually optimize all the content on your site. Yeah, they're really pushing you into the content strategy tool, which we'll talk, as I said, we'll talk about a bit later. But isn't it interesting? They're really pushing people there. I'd love to know the uh, telemetry on that, how many people are actually using it. When we mentioned it to clients, oh, by the way, talking about content strategy tool, have you used that yet? Oh, I saw that. No, yeah, what's that do again? I bet the uptake's low. So, yeah, a bit of an advantage there if people want to jump on that. That's right. I think if you can jump on that, understand it, 
implement it, even implemented 80%, you're still ahead of everybody else. All right, number two, Craig, optimizing your images. So this is a quick one. So when you're actually writing content, you're doing a blog post or a page or a landing page and you insert an image into the content, just take a bit of time to add that little alt attribute, the description of the image. Why that's useful, because if you've ever gone to Google and done a search for something and you'll see, oh, there's web page results and there's videos, sometimes there's image searches and that gets that a lot from the alt Tag, Tag. so something to put into into place on your images as well. All right. Number three, Craig, is to enable AMP or not. Now, AMP means accelerated mobile page, and that's something that Google's come up with to actually improve speed of deliverability on website pages and blogs. So tell us more. I won't say it's controversial, but it needs to be considered, this decision, Because on one hand, you might think, oh, yeah, of course, enable it. Google loves it. But on the other, there are downsides. So without going into a full in-depth analysis of it all, some of the things to consider. So AMP, these, as you said, these accelerated mobile pages, they're very fast. So one of the advantages is they render very quickly, especially if you're on, well, obviously Mobile. mobile. You're on mobile and you're looking for, say, a news item. You get the AMP page or the AMP version. It's very quick. And that's good. And also some of the Google assets tend to favor only AMP pages. So some of the news carousels. Yes. If you're not on, if it's not an AMP page, it's unlikely you'll actually be in there. So there's that advantage to AMP. However, there's some downsides. And one of them is that you lose control over the page because it's a really slimmed down, you know, rendered down version. And that also means, well, as well as not controlling fully the experience. So if you've got quite an interactive page, then, you know, goodbye, kiss that goodbye. So that's not a good use case. But there's also tracking. So because it does really strip down, it actually cuts out a lot of the JavaScript tracking codes. So if you're really a control freak and want to know everything happening on the page, then an AMP page is not going to give you that feedback. And in some cases, some people can't even get analytics or anything tracking working on it. Well, they'll get analytics, but they won't get other analytics tools tracking on it. Uh, So that's something to consider. So HubSpot's got you covered in both cases because, one, you can put a global setting. It's on your blog, blog blog-wide. The other is to leave that off and then individually on each blog post say whether you want it on or off. So that gives you the most control over whether you enable it. We tend to be, if we're just more newsy kind of general content sites, just enabling it. There's no real downside and, well, we might... We might lose a bit of tracking, but that's okay. But if you had quite in-depth pieces, you want to consider that carefully. Hmm. Excellent. All right. The HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. All right. So, you know, we're talking about that optimization tool. Yes. Tell us what's the problem with this. So I've had this before where you might actually find it will point out to you the image assets that don't have alt text. And what I've found, it's actually scanning the entire template and content that's been rendered. So... You might go, where is that? I can't find that. It's because it's actually within a template or a global module inside HubSpot. And so you can't really get to it to change it. So you need to go then fish it out which part of the template it is and fix it. But I thought that's a little gotcha where people can get stuck and go, oh, I've got all these errors, but really it's a site-wide error. Yeah, quite confusing, really, yeah. All right, on to the marketing tip of the week, Craig. We're going to talk about the content strategy tool. Yeah, I alluded to this earlier. And also, just refer you back to episode 127, where we went through this in quite some detail, the content strategy tool. Now, this is a useful way 
to pull together content ideas and map them between pages. What are your thoughts on this? Have you been using this with your clients, Ian? I have, and it's been interesting because I think as we've used it over time, it has evolved, changed, and become better. One thing I am finding is that you have to really dig down, especially in Australia, where you've got the data that it has, because what happens is when you put a topic in or a keyword, it actually tells you how much search volume there is, what the relevance is. Now, in Australia, if you with a lot of stuff, you don't actually get a lot of data. So that's one thing that we're struggling with in terms of understanding, is this a good topic or is it not a good topic? Is it worth writing? Because if there's no, no traffic, why, why do it? So that's one of the struggles we're finding with it. But overall, it's actually been really good in helping people that we work with understand how this all fits together and why it's important and how you can almost... If you have a strategy, you can actually become well-known in that space for a particular topic. Yeah, I I think so. So I guess what you're saying is the content strategy tool is good for organising and mapping stuff out, not so good in terms of accuracy of the keyword volume data it brings back. And I agree. Two comments on that. You know, I'd love to see um, HubSpot have a relationship with Ahrefs where they maybe pulled in data from Ahrefs or SEMrush. Correct. However, they do have in beta, I don't know if this is publicly available yet, but they do have a Google Search Console connector. Oh, yeah, that's just come out. Has it just come out? Yeah, right. So that'll pull in your Google Console, Search Console data. Yes. Which will be impressions that you're currently getting. So it's not actually indicative of overall volume, but it's indicative of volume you're currently getting. And that's actually a better guide sometimes around search volume. So have you ever done, you know, use the keyword planner tool for Google and it says, oh, it gets 10 searches per month? You look in your Google search console, and even though you're only ranking on page two or three, it's something that's like thousands of impressions going, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, reality does not seem to match what uh, Google is uh, indicating. But uh, anyway, the content strategy tool is getting focused and it's going to get better and better. That's right. And there is some great training in the HubSpot Academy about content strategy and there is some good topics in the HubSpot knowledge base too. So I'd encourage everybody to have a look at that yeah, to learn more. Check out the show notes for those. All right. On to our HubSpot service feature of the week, Craig. And this is our fifth tool in uh, HubSpot for SEO. And this is the knowledge base tool. Of course, it's in Service Hub knowledge base. And yeah, talk us through what's the knowledge base tool. So this is really useful creating SEO optimized pages, especially targeted to people looking for product specific details. One of the things we would suggest is that if you use it for, you have blogs for industry news, thought leadership, topics, company announcements, and you use the knowledge base for product related content. So today when I was talking to a customer, their lawyers, And so they said, oh, look, we've got content that's more for personal use or, you know, for people. And then the other side for business owners. And then they had more in-depth content probably for business owners that was really specific to particular topics and things that are going on. So I said, oh, look, you know, you could have actually have two blogs. You could have a business and a personal one and actually take that information that was specific to that topic or that particular issue and create a knowledge base article to go with it so that it was indexed separately in Google. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I mean, this is oversimplifying it, but you could think of knowledge base, target audience, customers. Blog posts, target audience, not yet customers. I mean, that's don't take that too literally, but, but you're that's quite a right. kind of it's yes. kind of a delineation. Some things that you might do. You're always going to have slide ins and calls to action 
on your blog post, right? Knowledge-based, probably less less likely. Now, that's not to say that prospective interested parties won't come to your knowledge base because mm. I know I do when I'm checking Correct. out a product. I actually all go, go to their knowledge base. Even though it's written for customers in mind, I like to get a sense of, oh, yeah, this is what they do and that's, um, it's always a good indicator about a company. But in terms of, yeah, your intent for your intended audience, I think knowledge base is for customers. That's where to put it. You might, as you said earlier, put product general company announcements on the blog but refer to them to the knowledge base for full details. Craig, the SEO insight of the week, and this is using social to improve your SEO. Now, why do we say this? Because owning your page for your brand terms and by having it up to date on the social channels is really important. So we talk about LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and it could include other other items that are actually out there. But what is really interesting is that I have found when talking to customers of ours, and I'll say, oh, what social channels do you have? Most people have Facebook and LinkedIn and not everybody has Twitter. And I'm like, and they're like, why do I need that? And what I've found is that I tell them to make sure that A, they claim it, but B, what we have discovered through doing what we do on a daily basis is that you write a blog post and you might actually then tweet about it. I've actually found that Google indexes Twitter really quickly and therefore you're able to get the content indexed as a result of that. So I best say, look, we're not going to use it to have whole conversations online, but we're going to use this to promote content and promote things that you want to promote. So it's a really great way to use social, especially Mm. in that channel, to get your message out. So sometimes when you do a Google search, you'll actually see, especially if things are kind of a bit newsworthy or current, you'll see actually the Twitter results get placed in Google above everything else Ah, in the search results. And that's one way that, I, that I've discovered that this is happening. So I'd encourage you, especially if you have a lot of current information that gets pumped up quite quickly, it's a very, very good channel to use. Excellent. And there is a great article from Neil Patel about SEO with Twitter, and I would encourage you to actually have a look at that. All right, on to our podcast of the week, Craig. And this is the Skill Up podcast from HubSpot. And why I want to highlight this is because there is a great season, there's seven episodes, about some very practical SEO strategies, tools and tips. And Matthew Barbie, or Hal's Barbie, talks about it with, a co- with his co-host. And I actually really enjoyed it. It was very, you know, how do we implement snippets? Really down to how do we get to this position zero? There were lots of great things. So if you're actually looking to expand your knowledge, it's a great podcast to listen to. Now on to our resource of the week, Craig. And this is the SEO resource of the week. And this is Brian Dean's Backlinko. So I've been following Brian for a while and he puts out some great content. So he actually came up with the whole, like what we would call a pillar page. The skyscraper you know, so technique. The skyscraper yeah. technique, right? He's been the master of it. So. Well, he's been the master of naming something and owning that. Yes. Correct. Nice one, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> he has great content on his blog. Yeah, so yeah, he does. Why I wanted to highlight that is because he provides immense value and, you know, he's probably been ahead of his game when you think about what, what's happening. Like we're talking about pillar pages down, but he was talking about skyscraper technique like a few years ago and really winning out of actually doing great content and providing great experience to people. All right. Do you want to talk about the tool of the week, Craig? Well, you've mentioned Ahrefs here. Uh, we yes. use it. And uh, I agree. It's a great tool. So it's an SEO tool. Uh, it's quite good for a number of things. One is checking backlinks and all that kind of stuff. But also for finding rankings for your pages and volume, expected search volume. 
and also for diving into what your competitors are ranking for and their content as well, as well as a bunch of other tools. So this is a third-party tool. It's not part of HubSpot. Third-party tool. They have a trial. I think you can get seven, seven days, days for, for seven, seven bucks or something if you want to try it out. It's not to everyone's taste. So if you're a marketing manager and you're not really in the trenches, you know, implementing and doing the in-depth uh, research, it's probably not for you. But there's probably some nerdy person on your team that does all that kind of stuff. Ahrefs, if they're not already using it, is going to be something that they love. So, yeah, that's a nice tool recommendation there. Yeah, so one of the things that you can use it for is if you look at, and I haven't used this, but I heard uh, Neil Patel talking about it and Eric Sue, was to make sure you can actually see what other, see your competitors, what links that they've got and see what's common and what's not common and actually use that as a way to do some outreach to actually get people to link to things. Because one thing that does happen over time, people might link to particular blog posts and articles that go out of date or are not found because the blog disappears and people are still linking to it. So you could actually be doing someone a favour and saying, hey, I've got you know seven reasons to use HubSpot and on this particular blog is pointing to it. Would you like to point to, to our content? as opposed to the other one, which is not working, to give people a better experience. Broken link building. Yep, there you go. Actually, we could do a whole episode on broken oh, link building. we could. Building. Yeah, as, as well as link. Uh, I think you're alluding to um, link gaps as well. Yes, so correct. where you compare a number of domains and see common links that they have that you don't. Yes. And so they might be easier targets for getting links. The whole link building topic we probably should leave to another time. <laughs> what we've covered really today, we probably should have mentioned this right at the start, but... SEO is kind of broken into two main areas. One is on-page, which is when you do stuff on your site, make changes to the pages on your site. We call that on-page. Then there's off-page, which is really getting other sites linking to you. So it's, they're not on your site, they're on another site when they're linking back. So optimizing great content and then driving links to it is really, uh, well, SEO in a nutshell. Correct. Now, there's one other tool I want to talk about, Craig, and I use this quite a bit. It's called webpagetest.org. And this is a great tool for testing web page speed and seeing what's happening. So you get some really good insight into understanding how long a site is taking to load and what's loading and what's slowing it down. A lot of um, stuff when we we talk about SEO to start off with is actually Google's looking at page speed. And this is one of the key things that we use to actually just understand, is it working or is it not? Because sometimes what happens is a page loads and it looks like it's loading quickly, but actually the time the total time it takes can be actually quite long, even though to you it looks like it's loaded in, in the browser, can be much longer than it actually is loading. And that's what Google's measuring is the actual load time. Uh, is that right? It's pretty good at tracking the, like the, the user-rendered experience, I think, now. I mean, you always want to keep that load time down as much as possible. Yeah. But, so, yeah, these async things that load trackers and that in right. the background. Correct, yeah. and those are the more technical parts of it. So I just wanted to highlight that. And there's this there's Google page speed test. There's, mm. They've got the mobile speed test as well. Right. But what I like about this particular tool, you can actually select the location that you're actually running the test from. So we would run it yeah. from Sydney. We choose the browser that we're running it from because all of those play a part and get a better understanding. It runs like three tests to give you an average. So Yeah, nice. Great tool. All right. Do you want to do the SEO quote of the week, Craig? Well, I don't know. I, uh, it's, it's a good quote. I don't know if I agree with this, though. Well, here we go. There's a bit of <laughs> We can discuss this one. Yeah. 
All right. And I think this is actually quite an old quote from Rand. Yeah, um, Rand, Fishkin, Rand Fishkin, founder of Moz, yeah. Uh, he says, don't build links, build relationships. All right, so I'm happy with the build relationships. I don't know if I'm happy with the don't build links. Probably have to check where this was taken from. Is that out of context or is that just quite those, possibly <laughs> one of those great quotes? Because um, as an SEO person here, it of is no, you, you, you do need links. But Correct. maybe he's saying don't build dodgy links, just or yeah. low quality. Build relationships that foster exactly. good quality links. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think that's the key to all of this. If you're listening to this episode and you're thinking, "Oh, I've got someone building links." I'd be looking at the quality of those links and what happens. So increasingly, like we talk about this all the time, is like what are we doing? Are we actually fostering these good relationships with sites that are actually credible? Are we fostering relationships with sites that are very, how do I say, not credible at all, has very low credibility? So I think that's really important. Be really careful more and more as you're growing your brand and your base is to build things on the right ground. Build a good neighbourhood. That's exactly right. I'll, so I'll take this one back. I'm going to have a little rant right now. Okay. I like it when you have hosting. a rant. Yep. Hosting. People host their websites and always looking for cheap hosting, right? Yeah. And then when things don't work or websites are slow because they don't, they're not optimised, cor- the hosting's not optimised correctly, mm. you get, they get a lot of problems or they get hacked. So, you know, at least every two weeks someone will say, oh, my website's been hacked. What do I do to get out of this? And they go, but how much are you paying for your hosting? I said, three dollars a month. Did you say? And I'm like, did you just listen to what he said? It's like you have your house in a really bad neighbourhood where you know people are throwing rocks, they're graffitiing on your walls, you know, windows are broken, electricity gets cut off every two minutes, and that's what cheap hosting is, right? And then you got the other end of it. It's like, oh, I want to be in a good neighbourhood where I can get fast internet. My water is guaranteed. You know, the sewerage works. I can get in and out of my driveway really quickly. I think you've pushed, <laughs> you've pushed this analogy to slim, but I do agree. I love it when they say, oh, okay, we're going to start a campaign. We're going to spend 5000 on some advertising campaign. All right, your site's a bit slow. And as you said, you know, how much are you spending? on oh, $9 a month on hosting your... <laughs> Right, so why don't you just spend 50 bucks a month for awesome hosting? I'm not going to spend 50 bucks a month. It's just like, what? It's, yeah, and it's you know weird... what? I had this exact experience with a mm. customer not long, uh, not a couple of weeks ago. They did an email campaign to their database of about, say, 10,000 people. And they obviously had something good in that email newsletter. Everyone's had a click through, and they went, the site went, uh-uh. uh And they couldn't, they said site couldn't be reached. It was, yeah. I think it was a five or four error or something. Yeah. And literally took them close to like 10 hours to get the site back. Oh, wow. It's like, really? Today? Yeah, put an hourly rate on that. By the way, uh, so we we obviously build sites on HubSpot. We also build on, on WP Engine. WordPress. So yes. WP Engine is the go-to for us. Um, there's others like Kinster and that that are also managed. WordPress, they're really good. But then the other thing, of course, is HubSpot's own CMS hosting. I, I mean, it's at another price tier. I think it's what? 300 US, say 400, Correct. 500, I don't know, Australian. Yes. So it's not per month, that is, folks. So that's not cheap, right? So it's got to be a good site. But even though that sounds like, wow, that's a lot of money, it's like, yeah, well, we didn't have to spend four hours each month maintaining it. And, you know, there's four times an hourly rate or something. Correct. And I don't think I've ever had, ever had a security, security. issue with HubSpot hosting. Exactly. Mind you, I don't think I really have with Web. WP Engine either. They've been no, pretty good. that's exactly. But, yeah, and performance is, yeah, it well, it's pretty good. 
yeah, it's 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 really rock solid um, speed and everything. So yeah, yeah. So that was the impromptu topic of the week. Wow, did we just come on to an advert for um, HubSpot CMS there? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it affects SEO, right? Absolutely. And in fact, going back to the optimization tool, one of the things it checks when it's looking at it's it page says speed. page speed. Yes. Yeah, this is fast. Yeah, that's good. That's not so. Speed is obviously a factor. Yeah. Okay. So plays back into our whole AMP discussion. So yes, there you go, does. product full circle. Well, we'd love you to rate, review, and leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts as that would help us greatly to reach more people and to help you serve you guys better. Well, Craig, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. Hey there. Thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. For show notes and the latest HubSpot news and tips, please visit us at hubshots.com.